You're going to want to put on your tinfoil hat for this one. It's Mikey J on KGUP Presents. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Mothers, lock up your daughters. It's time to see Mikey J. Mikey J. Are you fucking with me? We're dealing with one sick son of a bitch. How you doing? I'm Mikey J, and we're tuned in to another edition of KGP Presents. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, my days might actually be numbered because uh, the last episode I had to cut it short on YouTube just because it was just too dicey for the entire episode to play in its entirety. And uh, my account would be suspended right now if, if, as we speak. But um, most likely the next you know, half a dozen or so shows will be kind of like they'll have to be cut in order to stay on YouTube. And I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, there's just so much stuff in the media that's going on that contradicts reality. And thanks to platforms like Rockfin, uh, I don't have to do that anymore. Uh, even my podcast, who I thought was just protected and, you know, they protected free speech. It was it wasn't loading for certain people and uh, it got censored. So I had to delete the word flat earth in my description and then I had to replace it with something that was acceptable, like true earth. Uh, go figure. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but uh, be sure to click the link in the description and find, uh, find me on Rockfin or search KGUP underscore presents. I'll try my best not to keep myself from saying certain trigger words. Um, but like I did an interview with Kyle of the Big Dumb Podcast, and it was just it was just out of control because we just started talking about monkeypox. And, uh, you know, to say the least, it was just something we couldn't contain. It was just wildfire. Uh, <laughs> you can also you can also find full episodes of this show uncensored and uncut on my Patreon. You can join for as little as three dollars. And at the end of each month, uh, I'll do a drawing where you can win a free T-shirt, uh, just like the one that I'm wearing right here. 
which is pretty cool. Um, all right, so on to our show. Uh, I, I wanted to keep the intro very, very limited. Uh, today we have a very special guest. He, uh, you know, he, he uh, all of my guests are very special. He and I have been chatting off and on trying to make this happen for quite a while, but uh, we're finally here. He's got a great show you need to check out. He is very open-minded. He he does a lot of research and he does he doesn't borrow a lot of topics. He's gotten into like spirituality, the old world, mud floods, Tartaria, flat earth. And uh, he's been a guest on several shows that I that I that I love, including uh, some of my favorites like uh, the Great Deception podcast and uh, Dangerous World podcast. He's a great talker. He loves to say what's on his mind, even if you have you're in mid sentence. He'll just cut you off and say, (laughs) (laughs) just like right now. (laughs) Yeah, I have a habit like that for sure. (laughs) But but without further ado, let's bring. He's right here. Let's bring him on. The man, the myth, the legendary, random Randy of the Red Thread Podcast. Hey, all right. Appreciate you having me on, man. uh, For sure. And um, you know, it really is a a no, uh, like no holds barred kind of thing when it comes to subject matter when you're wanting to have a conversation, a meaningful conversation with somebody. Right. Oh, Um, and you know, the unfortunate kind of moniker given to folks like, like myself is like the one that's not so bad as truther, right. That's not too bad, but, um, then people will go, Oh, you mean conspiracy theorists? (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's unfortunate that the CIA kind of built this, this, um, self-contained kind of ridicule system, you know, through things like the Tavistock Institute and all these other institutions that are kind of micromanaging and playing our little strings, our little heart strings and, you know, (laughs) all of our other different emotions. And, and it's just like, man, what do you, what do you do when you can't have a conversation with somebody that's like, that you're actively engaged with in your daily life. Right. Like that, that was kind of the impasse I came to at a certain point was like, wow, you know, there's so much more to the world out there than like just what we're handed, you know what I mean? Um, And we're really not handed that much. You know, we've got some kind of staple things like a, a religious doctrine of some kind. We're handed that we're kind of handed an alphabet and we're handed like rudimentary you know, kind of mathematic skills. So we're given all of these little things which don't really amount to too much of a toolkit without something like science and history to kind of tie all that together and say, all right, how did the math factor in there? You have architecture, you have history, right? So we're we're handed all these little fragmented pieces of like this massively like just complicated picture, you know, of that that is our true history you know, not just the, the one that the victors agreed upon. Um, and, and that's what's in your social studies book now, but like the whole bigger picture, you know, all the way down to the little regular, like Tom, Dick and Harry, what were they doing? What were they going through? Like through all of this. And so like kind of onto Tartaria and the old world, it's, you know, a lot of people talk about a reset and like the re-inhabiting of, of cities and things like this. And, you know, the, the photos are kind of iffy. A lot of them are staged, you know, um, these people were robber barons by trade. So they were obviously robbing somebody of something and becoming the baron of, you know, said land or whatever they're taking over. So it doesn't really speak too much to, did they perpetrate this, this chaos, you know, that, that wiped everything out or appears to have, Um, Was this like, you know, a God type of, you know, extinction level event? 
what happened here. And so like just that factor, the what happened thing, like leads you down so many different rabbit holes. And I don't know if you've looked into uh, like rabbit holes when it comes to energy events or plasma events. Have you done any looking into like maybe what happened to melt the buildings and all of this other <laughs> kind of Not the more really. crazy off topic kind of Tartaria stuff. Like the, when you say melted buildings, people just look the other way and they're like, this guy's crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that, that seems to really trigger people like, like the whole theory of melted buildings that, you know, some mountain ranges that, that look a little suspicious and they could possibly be melted bricks, but you know, it's a lot of speculation and it's a, it's a lot of, um, you know, coincidence and it, it's it could be true but I, I would have to see it for myself and you know just kind of investigate but i haven't really touched that topic because i haven't really come across you know, like like john levy came came across it uh a few times and showed some evidence and you know it, it might be compelling to an extent but it's it's just so hypothetical that i i, I haven't seen enough to to know much about it and I can see the correlation and how it relates and how, you know, it does kind of like look like the Grand Canyon as well, you know, like just the way that the, the just the sides of the, of the, the mountainous range, you know, and it, it, it could possibly, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And, it, and it's to, to bring this up and discuss with somebody is very difficult because, you know, realistically like i don't have evidence i can't i can't take out a brick right here and say this is a melted brick and this is a not melted brick because i just don't have those <laughs> you know what right. i mean i don't have that that kind of backing up of the information but um you know we, we are told of at least one cataclysm right we're told of noah's flood or the great flood so you know it's kind of a given people understand that something drastic happened and pretty much you know rewrote everything wiped everything out and um you know, most people believe that this was several thousand years ago. You know, that may very well be. Um, timelines get a little bit murky when you start looking at all the phantom yeah. timeline hypothesis, all this stuff. But, um, you know, all that aside, like we're told of at least one cataclysmic event. Mm -hmm. um, and we all kind of agree on that. So like going with that and going, OK, well, if there was a flood and there was an entire civilization, right, that. Um, you know, essentially span the world or was large enough to need wiping out, I guess. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure what the the uh, the real story is behind the why of how everything happened or that it was even just a flood. You know, it could have been a number of things that were just not told about either or that weren't recorded. Um, but we have this one agreed upon cataclysmic event. And so it kind of negates the the theory of fire, right? Like, you know, based on kind of based on the Bible and, and all that, the reckoning by fire hasn't come yet. Right. Um, that kind of is what we're told. Um, the next time, you know, after the flood, God says next time it'll be by fire. Right. And suppose it will, depending on how some people think we're um, we haven't reached that point yet. We haven't reached that fiery cataclysm. But when you look at things like the possibility of melted buildings and just mass kind of devastation that you see, um, you know, something ruined all of the ruins in the world, right? I mean, yeah. something definitely happened. Now it's like, all right, was that this flood scenario or has something happened kind of since then? Um, 
And, you know, it's kind of a struggle to say, all right, is this John's revelation? All right. Is this what, what uh, has this happened? And was it a firsthand account? Um, you know, that sort of thing. I couldn't tell you, I haven't dug in. I mean, I've dug into it a ton, but uh, it's kind of hard to pull one way or another on, on the whole kind of religious, you know, reasoning side of things, yeah. um, you know, because belief systems are just that they're systems, right? They're meant to control a, a mind or a group of minds, a religious system, a belief system, uh, you know, is a series of rituals and doctrines that, you know, you essentially you agree upon. And um, but within these systems, you have their volumes of information, right? Like they're they're doctrines that will contain stories like the flood and like revelation. So we have this kind of a like a, a clue that perhaps this is art imitating life, right? As opposed to the other way around. Maybe this is not just a story. Maybe these are actual firsthand accounts and we're just reading them in the wrong order, you know, or um, they've been put together in the wrong order. Um, it's more fun to look at life as a giant puzzle as you're going through it and try to take right. the little bits of information that kind of serve your train of thought, even if later on you got to come back and wreck that train of thought and rewrite it, you know, um, and it's kind of hard because you hit these like taboo heartstrings with people when you bring up religion, especially religion. It's really touchy. It's a very yeah. clever kind of, you know, divisory tactic that has been like implemented on the entire face of the earth. It's a crazy, amazing, you know what I mean? Took a yeah. lot of work to get all that done. So I respect it. Um, but, you know, I do also know that there's this kind of thing about putting information right in front of us. You know, <laughs> and uh, whether elevation it's of movies, the method, it, it's yeah. it's so bad and it's so in your face that when you start seeing things happening, and you know, I'm not going to go into the the most recent thing because that will get popped on YouTube, so we'll just leave that alone. But to see something like that <laughs> happen, and and go, well, I saw the, <laughs> I saw this getting planned essentially, you know, in in a in a vicarious sort of way like you just see it unfolding beforehand and then you get smacked with that label conspiracy theorist <laughs> yeah. and then it happens and you're like well you know <laughs> i don't want to be right none of us want to be right about any of this stuff um and uh and it's just crazy so you got to look at it like a puzzle that's my solution to all the madness is like all right what's this kind of grand scheme working out like maybe i got to play detective and piece all these things together but coming from like an open-minded point of view, certain areas are so taboo, you know what I mean? To discuss with other people. And you really do need to have these discussions to say, uh, to essentially create a new collective kind of memory. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I mean, what is our history anyway? It's a, it's an agreed upon set of events, right? So if we don't like the one that we're being handed and we need to revise it, we need to come together and collectively kind of create this understanding you know right. which which may be what we're doing maybe that's the driving factor behind all this i don't know <laughs> well if i could chime in um you know the the most recent event um you know involving a school i find that very uh coincidental that it's happening at the same time that the meeting up in davos is happening at the very the exact same time so it's like they don't want you to pay attention to what they're talking about in this this 
you know, World Economic Forum, you know, NATO meeting, um, you know, and they're making all these decisions with without even considering our what we would want. They just are making these like arbitrary decisions. And, you know, we're possibly possibly going to lose our sovereignty completely. And then, you know, and then what, at the next pandemic that happens, they can just lock lock us down without any choice. And there's not the president's not going to be able to do anything about it because he already signed it away. You know, yeah, that that's that's a lot of the the reason why, you know, it's hard for a lot of us to sit and look at the world and see things unfolding and. And, you know almost everybody I've ever met comes from a place of good heart. Right. And doesn't, doesn't want anybody or their children to become injured when they're out doing their daily routine. Right. None of us want that for the other person, but, you know, to be, you know, looked at and ostracized when you say, listen, there's a pattern of events leading up to this, leading up to this point that screams, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And everybody's so busy paying attention at this at the point before that to baby formula shortage, right? Everybody's so worried about their infamil and their Similac, and they're not paying attention to a. If the government is moving this many tons of a certain product, what else are they moving with that product? That's what I want to know. Right. You're shipping stuff over here from overseas. What else is coming with those flights that we're not told about? Just like everything that comes in through Florida. And through um, Arkansas, you know, the Clintons are famous for that, right? You know, sourcing all their goodies from, you know, the Middle East and whatever and through uh, Arkansas airport and, you know, allegedly and all of that. So, I mean, (laughs) you know, you got to look at the bigger picture. The formula runs out. We're shipping it in from another country. What else is coming with that formula is is the first thing my my crazy mind goes to. And, (laughs) And then secondly, it's like. Yes, that's important, but is it important enough to be on half the news, half the time, half of the day? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that between that and the Russia-Ukraine scenario, that's all you're seeing and hearing about. You're not hearing anything about what you know is a little bit more relevant to me is uh, you know this Supreme Court judge getting elected that essentially has a soft spot for pedophiles you know what i mean and like likes to let them slide on lesser charges so there's more important things going on that just aren't being covered you know like most of us would would feel they should kind of from a kind of community consensus this stuff isn't presented to us and oh man i think that's kind of why it's important that conversations like this one and you know all of the other ones that that man you, me, Matt, all the guys, you know, Ryan, all of us, different group of people are out having these conversations in, in, a, in a forum to, in order to engage others and kind of at least talk about this stuff and say, hey, this is going on. Maybe we can't get to a point collectively because we are very few, you know, and spread out and uh, all in our different locations, talking yeah. digitally through this kind of barrier that's writing down everything we say essentially in real time and blah, blah, blah. So that, that, that kind of fear of that keeps a lot of people from speaking up, knowing that you're going to go on zoom and talk to somebody and, and have a conversation that, you know, in a 1984 esque future, which we're heading into, you wouldn't want to have that on, you know what I mean? You wouldn't want to have that on backlog, but you you know what it, man, what it boils down to is like, okay, you see it happening. 
and this is kind of what has been kind of the struggle lately with the balance kind of side of my life is all right, I'm seeing all these things happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I can almost not necessarily predict, but we'll know that there's something next and know what kind of what they have in the books because they like that revelation of method, right? They love yeah. it. Absolutely love it. And um, so, so you know, that method, that showing the method, I, I kind of like to think or understand my own way that when you look at the past and you're looking back at these cataclysms and these different, you know, kind of cues to uh, apocalypse and all of this that are in ancient script or what we're told is ancient script, like the Vedic texts, um, the Bible talking about the flood and, you know, the, the uh, Armageddon and everything else. Right. So you have all of these pieces of information and we're pretty much handed and say, Hey, these are the rule of law in your land. This is your book. You know what I mean? Everything in there is true. Basically is kind of what you're taught, (laughs) you know, from a young age in any of these places. And, you know, you lean on that. And then what happens is you come to find out later on in life, wait a minute, there's books taken out of this. You know what I mean? There's stuff removed. Wait, what? Wait a minute. It was rewritten how many times, you know, (laughs) translated how many times from how many different languages, all by different people that had different, very different translations. What am I even holding? What's going on here? What is this? You know, and and then you see the etymology between (laughs) Bible and Babel (laughs) and Babylon. And you're going, okay, wait a minute. Uh, these are those same pyramid people, right? Like, I don't know about yeah. all this. So you start going, okay. And these are the people <laughs> in control. What do I do about all this, man? What do I do? You know, a lot of us reach that point where it's like, holy crap. I wish I never knew all of this. I wish I never, I wish I never worried about the earth being flat. Cause it led me down this. And now like I see everything as it's before it's playing out in my mind's eye, because I understand the the patterns and, and it's frustrating. What do I do? You know what I mean? Like, uh, and so, I mean, part of my solution was like, speak to people and and I guess just kind of try to figure it out day by day. And I wasn't anticipating when I started my podcast in uh, like holiday season last year, I wasn't expecting to be sitting down like six, eight months later, having a discussion with somebody and not really being able to talk about what's going on because it's such a sensitive subject that I kind of anticipated being the case. But not this right. this many number of events in this short order, you know. Um, and, and so it's like I don't know if you ever listen to like macroaggressions with uh, Charlie Robinson. Uh, he's um, on my list. <laughs> yeah. So you know when you when you listen to that for for you know number of uh, years now, and you hear about the stuff going on, you know that people are awake to it. A lot of us talk about it, um, and but what can we do ultimately? Right. That's what a lot of people kind of stand. Well, shoot. You know, if it really comes down to the, the, I can't buy, or I can't, you know what I mean? Um, buy or sell or anything without a certain thing happening to me. Most of us aren't in a position, you know, um, just from a survival standpoint to be able to deny ourselves that, you know what I mean? Um, and then as you're talking about sovereignty earlier, if that goes out the window, then we're not, not nobody's going to be in a position essentially right. to, to kind of stand up for that. And that's, that's super frightening. Um, I know my, my friend the other day, he, he, he made the comment that, oh, we need to get, you know, we, we, maybe we need to, to separate from the United States and be a Republic again. Cause you know, we're here in Texas. And I was like, well, 
they're just going to do what they did to the Ukraine. And if we're independent, sovereign nation, they're just going to steamroll us, genocide this 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 country if we become a, a republic, and then they'll just take it over by force. You know, they'll have some right. third party entity like Russia, you know, proxy war the hell out of us. And and you know, they're, they're, yeah, yeah, they're they're showing exactly what the game plan is. Uh, if there was a group of Americans, whether it be like the state of Jefferson, you know, popping mm-hmm. back up out of nowhere, or or it be like Texas kind of seceding, um, they're they're showing exactly what you know what will happen in a different theater, right? You're in, you're in right. A, a different theater of war up there. So they're showing us that theater kind of as like a behavioral modification. Like, see, this is what happens when you're too free, mm-hmm. right? Like Ukraine was too free. So Russia had to take them back and, you know, um, they flip like it, when they flip it, they spin it on as if, uh, you know, as if the U S wouldn't do that to its own oh, lands would. kind of, you know what I mean? They would, t- I don't see any secession ever happening in my lifetime no. effectively. Um, Cause basically what they're doing is like they do with kids. You see that that's what happens when you misbehave. And then someone's getting their butt beat and, you know, and, and that's, that's what, that's what, what, what uh, it's, it's speak. super functional. That would be us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we yeah, would be that, that bad kid that were like, we'll see Ukraine. This is what's going to happen to you. <laughs> yeah, you yeah to exactly. Or, you know, you see all these people crying on the news who've been, you know, misplaced from their home. What are you crying about that you're five months back on your rent because you have no money because your job shut down because of this other thing that happened two years ago? Um, yeah. What are you crying about? At least you're not running from your home due to what? Like at first when it started out, it was like an explosion today, like for like a day and a half. You didn't hear anything else about it. Right. Like it just kind of started trickling on. And man, I don't know about you, but everything I've ever been shown about war has been this blitzkrieg style, just chaotic, like we were shown in desert, desert storm or whatever, just the, the night sky being lit up by explosions. You didn't see a lot of that this time. Uh, you saw a lot of weird no. kind of trickery with, with the uh, photographs and imagery and everything, especially just coming right out of the gate, like to ramp it up before it had ever got to that point. They're like, oh, yeah, and this happened. Come to find out it was something in Lebanon, like a couple years prior that that got pretty yeah. kind of well known pretty quick. But there's not it, much to take over in a bunch of farms. It, <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and man, um, just yeah. the, the whole geopolitical side of things, um, you know, kind of diving back into old world when you see the structure of like our countries and things now where the borders are drawn each country has its like little backstory you go on wikipedia you know you, you're thinking all right i'm pulling up all the information on switzerland or on sweden right and you get this kind of series of events that happened involving some form of royalty maybe one or two coup d'etat <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. so each little uh group has this Right. And you, you dig further into that. And all you find is this kind of very specific information on these individuals, on these circumstances. So it's like a, it follows a formula mm-hmm. and all of history is kind of like that, or at least the stories that we're given as our past. Right. They all follow this certain set guidelines. OK, if you have a second hand script, it has to be validated by like two to four first hand scripts, which will be like um correspondence letters you know what i mean 
a lot of this um, kind of ties in like Abraham Lincoln, the Civil War. What do we have to show that this really happened? We have these correspondence letters. And then we have after that, whatever these institutions wanted to tell us, they use those correspondence letters to build a picture and give us a story. So we don't actually have, you know, handed down actual accounts of a lot of the stuff that, you know, we're taught in history class, right? Like the Civil War, for example, or the Industrial Revolution, um, especially the War of 1812. I think it ties to all the previous wars. I, you know, in my opinion, this was the, you know, taking over of the world by the new world order that is fully in place now. Okay, like these people were steamrolling for like five or six hundred years, probably, um, which is why, like, you don't find <laughs> you find the information they want you to find on anything from like fifteen hundred on forward. Um, something happened right around fourteen fifty or fifteen hundred where there was like a changing of the guard because all of a sudden you had all these re little revolutionary wars all around Europe, you know, kind of. Um, growing these new type of states, you know what I mean? New rulers, new controllers, new popes, you know what I mean? You had all of this stuff going on all over Europe. And meanwhile, they tell us, right? They're like, oh yeah, you know, 1492, Columbus landed over there. Nobody knew anything about any of that land yeah. for all the other time before. There's all this warring and everything going on, right? But you think if you're going <laughs> to wage all out war on an entire continent, you're not going to go and check and see like, hey, so I heard that there's more land over there, maybe. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to go and check that out with all your war machine money. You know, come on. You're going to know about it. And um, yeah, I, I think that a lot of that time where the, like the Jesuits were establishing the order coming from east back west again, um, they kind of started out in like Japan. Um, most people don't believe that that's the case, but I think that they've actually achieved more of their goal there than anywhere else. If you look at the type of class structure that the Japanese you know, class system has, the way that the populace functions as mm -hmm. kind of as an organism to create and to, um, you know, innovate. And like, it's, it's a very well-oiled machine, right? So, yeah. Uh, so that machine is running very effectively. And they've also got back to the point where they've, on the tail end of it, gotten rid of all the Catholicism and most of the Christianity and put it back into, uh, you know, what they were intending, in my opinion, in the first place to like kind of a pagan kind of deityless society. Right. Um, so if they started all those hundreds of years over in Japan and were molding it, Japan's already passed the isolationist Christian phase that a lot of countries are coming to the end of now, you know, um, the U S has its, you know, tentacles and whatever else, but all in all, they've kept the populace pretty isolated and within their like little, uh, faith kind of subsets, right. Comfort zones. Even we're all kind of kept in a little comfort zone and we don't think to look outside of our little box or, or our little belief system. Meanwhile, They've been molding places like Japan into what they are, which is a functional mechanism for creation that will kind of do the will of these tech overlords. They've got that. They've got that in Japan. So they don't necessarily need to turn the U.S. into that. But what do they need to do with the U.S.? You know, a lot of people wonder. And, you know, you look at it and you find out and, you see, and unfortunately you see these stories. 
you see these stories about, you know, children disappearing and I mean, millions and millions of people. Right. Um, and then you go, well, what <laughs> hate to say it, but what is, what is the U S for? What are, is all this other land for us? It's just, uh, they literally look at, to a certain extent, based on the information that I've seen, they look at us as a commodity, not just your blood commodity on your social security card that, you know what I mean, fuels their fiat bank system. Not just that, but an actual, you know, flesh and bones commodity, man. And, you know, I'm kind of reluctant to want to give that too much more of my energy, like looking into that. Mm -hmm. um, but it would be kind of it would be silly to say that it doesn't happen. You know, right. that, that all of the stories are false. Um, even if some of them are true, that's bad enough. But so, so when it comes to the, Oh man, sorry, got off track there. <laughs> that's always a dark thought, man, thinking about that. And that's, that's part of why I try not to uh, give it too much of my energy, but um, yeah, because it does drag place. you in. It, it drags yeah. you in though. Uh, and it's, it's especially difficult because nobody wants to engage in that conversation. You know what I mean? Well, that's something that would definitely get booted off of YouTube because they don't want you talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, nobody wants to talk about it or necessarily hear about it. Um, hopefully someday something will happen where we can have a forum about something like that. But anyway, yeah. I don't know that it'll happen in my lifetime. It's getting a little bit tighter, but so going back to, sorry, I got way off track. Going back to like these cataclysms and, you know, we're told about all, all of everything up front. There's a lot of like in literature, even in fiction, right? Sometimes you have mentions of a different world. Um, so like steampunk is a big one, especially in the old world circles. Like, was there a steampunk existence, right? Going on before this last quote unquote reset. I think there um, was. I absolutely, absolutely with you on that. I, I think there was an entire. All right. So if you can think of think of the way our technology is now as kind of the digital side of the industrial revolution. Right. Like um, so this is a different direction than maybe it was heading at one point. You know, at one point we have analog, cymatic. We have a lot of other sciences that are hidden from us today um, being used uh, free energy which really isn't that hard to, to kind of obtain. Um, from what I understand, it can be extremely simple. And, uh, you know, most of us are generating, you know, some form of free energy heat transfer in our homes, like out of the uh, kind of spout that comes off your home that has that little spinning thing when the, the hot air rushes out. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we're wasting all this energy with this spinning around up there and all this other stuff. And so we don't use any of that, right? So it's kind of silly to, to look at the old world and think that they didn't have that tech and that the steampunk thing wasn't real. Like, look at Wild Wild West, right? Got Will Smith on there. Wild Wild West going around in the Wild West with those crazy spider walker and, you know, all this other stuff going on in this movie, those super steampunk, right? Um, so all of these things are inspired from somewhere. And um, a lot of it is revelation of the method, right? Like, what fun is it to completely take over a group of people like a whole planet right or plane or whatever we could get into the flat flat or not argument later but to to take all this over and not want to rub it in the faces of these survivors which a lot of these orphans and things maybe maybe were you know um and then that's like okay well that's where disney comes in 
right? And all of the cartoons with all the stereotypes. You have the, um, you know, the tar patch uh, built into a lot of cartoons. You have quicksand built in the cartoons. You have racial stereotypes built into the cartoons to teach kids how to behave around other other people. So it's a lot oh, of yeah. this behavioral modifying kind of entertainment, right? Industry that comes about after basically after their whole takeover was complete, right? This whole, um, I mean, it's hard to say what to call it now because it essentially is everything, everything big, right? Big tech, big government, big money, uh, big oil. Like they're all big. That's just, that's the family. That's the group that's had it on lockdown, you know, for a very long time. Um, I often wonder what the catalyst was that drove these people to start taking over in the first place. Um, but I, I think that this was a long drug out thing that's being hidden in the guise of something simple, right? So in the guise of, Oh, there was a reset and, uh, you know, they just shot beam weapons everywhere, wiped everything out and repopulated and started over. And, you know, some people think I was thinking for a significant period of time, hey, maybe they just kind of auto populated with like some form of a genetic kind of dispensary of people. You know, I was toying I, with this thing. I like if there was that a conclusion huge, as well. If there was a huge reset um, and the entomology between homo sapien, homunculus, human being and homunculus is very, very kind of eerie to me. Um, that and, you know, the stories of uh, demons being turned into swine and cast off of uh, off of a cliff, right, to their doom. And uh, so then if we have flip side clown world, right, post-apocalyptic world we live in maybe now, which, you know, a lot of people have toyed with the idea that maybe we're post-apocalypse now. You know, like we're we're after the the rapture and the hellfire and the battles and all the war and all the chaos. And now we're just in that whatever happened after. And um, and that's maybe 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 that's why it's like kind of hidden from us. Like, how do you tell a people like, listen, um, you know why the time whole time thing seems a little weird? Well, because we only came back up from underground, you know, like a thousand years ago, and it's been war ever since trying to take over the surface again. Like they just yeah. don't want to tell us something like that. Right. But as much as they put into these underground facilities that, you know, it, it seems to me that maybe there's something uh, that we're not being led on to when it comes to you know, what's beneath us, especially what's beneath us. Right. Um, we're told when we're a kid, if you dig far enough, you're going to get to China. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and then you, you hit, you know, your, your late thirties and you find out that suddenly maybe the world is flat and maybe it's just octaves of existence, one on top of the other, very much like the strings of an instrument, different right. planes of existence, you know, you kind of have this different key of, of a different realm. And like, so this crazy kind of fractal, very involved and beautiful um, and ultimately like completely unknowable, right? <laughs> like you can't, uh, you can't ever, in my opinion, say, Hey, listen, I've got the secret of the world and of life and why all these things and this and that uh, they try to do a lot of that nutshelling on that Gaia network. Um, you know, like, Oh, um, these are the people that came down and taught, you know, the Atlanteans, how to build everything and they powered the pyramids and 
you know, they give you these little interesting breadcrumbs of information like, oh, the obelisk kind of field out in front of the pyramids was powering the pyramids. Right. So now they know this <laughs> and you're like, OK, um, but why is it that all of these people popped up out of nowhere? And if they didn't pop out out of nowhere, what's the story of the people that you conquered to take their children? Right. Like these hundreds and th- you know, probably millions of kids over 50 years or so were migrating from, you know, anywhere in Europe uh, out to, to the U S and were being spread out all, you know, all across the U S to all of these newly envisioned and built small towns in America, which is, is kind of weird. I, I'm from California initially. Mm-hmm. So I moved Same out here. to the Midwest, I moved out to the Midwest and started looking recently, you know, into the old world and architecture and bricks and, the differences between different colors of bricks. So all these weird different aspects of <laughs> this whole kind of brick building scenario that I was brought to my attention through the old world channels, you know, like, yeah. Hey, um, everything, uh, you know, perhaps in the old, the old way of things, everything was built in red brick or a, a predominantly red brick due to its supposed power harnessing or supplementing kind of capabilities Essentially, the idea is if you have red brick uh, with iron running through it and it gets hit by the sun, it will generate a small charge and uh, or can hold power to a certain extent. So there's all this and it kind of works on the macro. A lot of us are used to thinking about batteries on the micro, you know, something small you hold in your hand. But if you thought about it on just a larger scale, it would make sense that it would be less dense. You know what I mean? Uh, then, you know, just a small cylindrical little metal battery that you hold on to. If you go bigger, you can also go slightly less dense and still get the same effect because, well, you have a surface area kind of differential in the energy charge. So <laughs> anyway, so that's where the old world has kind of driven me is into looking into how all this happened. What's going on here? How is it that every small town in America popped up over the same 30 years with the same floor plan, the same old school, like super old world looking buildings, right? Um, And let's just say they were all built in this time period that we're told. Where did all the supplies come from? You start looking into that and that brings up its own set of like crazy issues. All right, there's one quarry in America for this type of stone, but it's everywhere, right? In the 1800s when supposedly they were just getting the trains going a little, you know, and... uh, they had a horse and buggy, you know, and you're like, okay, so it's, man, it, it just leads to what, what am I supposed to think about all this stuff? How does this, how does this tie together or, or play out? And, you know, what part of this is included in what we're told is fiction? Um, so, so that's just like, that's my full on like hobby right now is <laughs> trying to piece all of this together but I'm, I'm pretty firm on that there was at least the last 500 years have been been war, uh, you know, um, very much man on man created kind of war and chaos to kind of establish or reestablish some form of dominance over what we know as the well, earth, you know, whether it's in the dominance. ice wall or not. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And. Um, there's some work out there that looks into like the origins of America as a word. And um, supposedly it's Americo Vespucci is who it was named after. Um, 
Hmm. There are some that are looking into, could it possibly have been uh, uh, Amaraku or Amaraka, uh, which Hmm. is, uh, it's a dragon. uh, It's a Central American dragon uh, deity uh, that was like a two-headed dragon. So we kind of have this two-headed serpent symbolism that we see in flags throughout the world. Um, we have in Mexico, their flag is an eagle, you know, uh, killing a serpent. So that's the separation of maybe the two family bloodlines. So there's definitely some infighting, something going on there. Hmm. And I think a lot of like the reason that they're just like uh, letting people kind of run with the whole like mud flood as an overpowering grab in one kind of go like one fail swoop like they just wiped everything out and started over is because it suits them you know these people that have been wiping out civilizations for the last five to seven maybe even longer 100 years um they don't want people to remember those those past you know dead and gone civilizations or ways of living you know what i mean they worked very hard to eliminate all of anything that would kind of sit against this massive control state that we find ourselves in now. And, and, you know, they've done an amazing job at it. Mm. Um, So I don't know that that's, that's kind of like, there's no, uh, you know, kind of uh, nailing this, this subject to the ground. And, um, but then that, that, that just so much of what happens is like, and I told you so, that um, I wouldn't doubt that perhaps we are past some type of fiery event that had happened, um, you know, due to the kind of devastation you see in like the 1906 earthquake, right. And, mm-hmm. in, in, in San Francisco, um, you know, and even a, a pretty layman can look at these pictures of after the destruction and say that was not a fire by you know started by a, a bull kicking over a lantern in a barn you know what i mean this is a massive right. <laughs> city infrastructure i mean huge stone buildings massive if you see the um trip down market street video uh you know you yes. can find online and just i mean look at that skyline look at all those buildings um not to mention that those buildings supposedly were built all of them within something like 35 years Mm -hmm. um that entire city was built up that based on the (laughs) storyline like 35 years yeah because an entire there was a photo in 1860 or something like that and there was like nothing just like a couple of like makeshift homes yeah 20 years later it's like a bustling city (laughs) yeah yeah it just popped right up and, and you know um let's say that you had all of the manpower you needed, right? Let's say you had all the manpower you needed. Um, where are you stealing all of the products to build with from, or where are you removing them from? Not, not the wood, the wood they were chopping down as they went across America left and right. They had plenty of wood for a long time, but moreover, the, the brick, the stone, the limestone, right? Where are you getting all this material to build this entire city in such short order, like, did you have it around? Like, cause the logistics side of it is the biggest kind of uh, lag time you're going to see is just getting the stuff from one point to another. You know, if you've ever done any looking into how things are shipped and how stuff moves around, you know, on this plane or planet, it's pretty complicated. There's a lot going on. And 
it wasn't always that you could get something from one side of the country to the other in a day or two, right? Sometimes it would take several months to get things from overseas, if not longer. And then they're saying, okay, uh, the white city was built in two years, you know, 700 acres of of exhibit space. And, And I mean, it was all safe enough for people to walk through at a minimum structurally sound enough. So that in two years alone is, is just, you know, amazing. But like, so with the building material, you're like, all right, well, where did it all come from? Um, But then you see the the devastations though, but you see the devastation of all these other cities, right? Like within, you know, 15 years or so, right around the turn of the century, there's just city after city destroyed, fire, destroyed, earthquake. Mm -hmm. Um, And then right just shortly thereafter, you have the small towns all throughout the Midwest establishing, like actually finally establishing Uh, most of them. It's like 1896, 1902. You know, you'll have plaques on the fronts of these brick buildings in the downtown areas. Now, these brick buildings, they're not all built out of the same type of brick. Like and, and I mean, I'm I've been challenged to find even just one building that used a consistent brick throughout the entire structure, then it's, it doesn't seem to happen very often. So a lot of them look as though they've been using different groupings of brick, whatever they could get their hands on. Or if you had, say you had a city being destructed up the way here in Chicago, (laughs) you know, you might have some bricks on hand here in pretty short order. So, you know, that stuff funnels down. And so that's like kind of the, the dirty dark side that they don't really want to talk about by addressing Mm -hmm. the questions, you know, nobody's going to come out and address the questions of where did the building supplies come from for such and such small town or for this area of, uh, you know, Missouri or Indiana, or, you know, I mean, um, man, there's, I think there was an exposition in, in Oklahoma, uh, or no, in Omaha, Nebraska, which was just crazy amazing. Some like Moorish and Turkish style buildings, like really weird stuff. But like, you're not going to, they don't come out and tell us, yeah, all of the bricks in all your, your small towns that we rebuilt, you know, the small towns with or built them, however you want to look at it from kind of a, an old world kind of a point of view. Uh, they're not going to say those things because it does nothing to kind of cement their status. They just want you to know that, A, they built it, here's the time they built it, and here's the name of the town based on such and such founder. But, like, you go to every small town in America, you will find a very similar tale about a similar type of person who came in around a similar time and started this town or this this commonwealth or what have you. And, And it's just so strange, like the uniformity with which this kind of happened throughout the yeah. country right at the same period of time as all the orphans. Yeah. Uh, you know, well and, here uh, in Texas, I, my wife and I, we went to the Buckner's orphan asylum and it's a giant property now, but they preserved like the main structure and it housed over a thousand kids back in uh, 1851. And what was very fascinating is that uh, the, the guy, I think his name is Joe Buckner or something like that. He trans they transported his cabin from Tennessee in 1833 here in Texas, which is four miles from me. And so we went up there and we, we took a look and then in the back of the asylum was the cabin. And I was like, Holy shit. 
I can't believe they moved it all the way from back then in, in 1833. And we barely had the technology of trains back then. But we also went to a little town called Allen in Texas, and it was like a tiny museum. And what caught my attention was this little picture. And it said that the the, the, the train system was operated by, it, it was powered by electricity. And it stretched all the way from Oklahoma, all the way, almost all the way to Aust, uh, Waco, Waco, Texas. And then once it, uh, between, um, I, I can't remember where, where the midway point was, but it went all the way out to, to like 20 miles east and west of Fort Worth. And I, I was just dumbfounded that it was powered by electricity. And then um, around 1850, it started to be, they started to use uh, steam powered. And then, you know, of course, then the yeah, that, it's so crazy the, the way that, um, and, and, you know, if you go and look at, at your average small town, um, we'll say small city, maybe not a small town, mm-hmm. but a small city, like where I grew up in California um, was right, right along the coast. And when you look at pictures of old, old downtown, they all had electric trolleys. Yeah. Right. Like it was, it was everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. had one of these, but um, think about how building that infrastructure would pan out. Why would you build that infrastructure, put them all out? for 10 to 15 years maybe of use and then scrap the whole thing and it goes along with you know of course the these robber barons these oil tycoons kind of being amongst the the folks that were doing this revolution right so when we hear the term revolutionary war uh, i don't so much like to think about you know us uh having a revolution against the british but moreover, as the revolution of this world order that's in place now was actually still happening. So right. they, they, they kind of give an homage to themselves with the names of these war, the civil war, right? Mm-hmm. Because they took great delight in pitting brother against brother, you yeah. know, in, in, in sending one group of people against their cousins or the next town over people, right? They took great joy in, destroying the society that was here before and um you know now we have no mentions of anything prior to war basically if you look at history you have things like like the history of mankind written by hg wells right you have so we have this kind of formula kind of system that explains to us who we're told we're supposed to be and who we're told we came from um you know, and there's there's key things that are are removed and left out, like kind of most notably giants, I think, is probably the, the biggest kind of question mark in, in my mind as far as how this played into, um, you know, the pre kind of war era, the pre new world order. How did these larger people fit in? Um, what was, you know, the paradigm then? Was it uh, what we called medieval? You know what I mean? Like what was what was going on? How did things really work out with uh, not just the timeline, but with like the peoples here? There was obviously enough of them to necessitate huge burial mounds. So there must have been a population, you know, here. Um, and do you know the the history of the rock wall here in Rockwall, Texas? No, uh, the legend. And um, it's a 20 square mile wall that was under 
underground. Oh, yeah, I've been hearing about this. Yeah, it, go on. It, it surrounds this whole territory and it's it's about 30 feet deep. And it's just a perfectly preserved wall. And in fact, they use part of the wall as 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 one of the um, stone settings for their for the plaque at the uh, the courthouse in Rockwall, Texas. <laughs> and they they say that it's just a natural occurring wall that they can't explain it because uh, the the farmer that discovered that he was digging a well or something like that discovered the wall and then proceeded to keep digging and discovered the bones of a giant and they they just they estimate that the giant was probably between a thousand to sixteen hundred pounds but when the universities came out here there was like six universities and the Smithsonian. They they debunked the whole thing, said it was just a natural occurrence, and then took the bones, the remains of, of the giant, and it's never been heard of again. I mean, they had a whole special on it on, on Discovery oh, or, yeah. or um, Ancient yeah, Aliens. You know, just the just the denial to share any of that information screams crazy cover up. Right. And, and it screams all of these things to, you know, your average person. Uh, it's like it kind of goes beyond all of the other lies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right like because it's direct omission of something that people have at least kind of agreed upon is real which is giant bones you know enough people have yeah. seen them there's been enough documentation um i mean you can go down the road of well everything's a fabrication if you want to be that guy but that guy doesn't get invited to the party <laughs> you know what i mean so we won't be yeah. that guy but um but yeah, like, so, so giants, man, what in the world's going on there? Why like the crazy cover up? I was reading this book, uh, the Smithsonian contributions to knowledge, uh, I think is what it's called. And it's interesting because in the preface of the book, they explain the objective, right. For the Smithsonian institution it's pretty well outlined there. And uh, it basically says uh, to obtain information. All right. So uh, the way that they phrase it is is strange in itself. If you're into kind of reading between the lines uh, to obtain information and disseminate, you know, essentially in order to in in order to uh, impart like the way that it's phrased is in order to put this information out there for people, we have to first obtain it. So that means they're a going to manufacture it or be going to kind of, you know, uh, what do you call it? corroborate their stuff in order to convince somebody that hey this is what happened and so that's their job from the get-go like that's in their standards when they first started out was like okay we are going to obtain information yep we're going to make sure we get that information and we're going to make sure we disseminate that information in order to produce a certain kind of understanding narrative you know what i mean and and that's exactly what they have done like to such like a crazy awesome extent um the more amazing thing is that most people don't care. Most people genuinely don't care about history or what has happened. No, because it's not entertaining. It doesn't, it doesn't grasp their, their minds and captivate them. It doesn't put them in any kind of like, you know, like euphoric state, which which is like what people get when they watch sports, when they watch television or a movie, they don't get that same high like you and I do when we find new information, like, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I'll give that, I'll give you that. I, I could see that. I could see definitely uh, that being, I'm the fascinated. Case. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. And, and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't always uh, into 
you know, neither was getting I my, getting my, my euphoria this way. Um, it took me a lot of years and a lot of, uh, you know, changing of myself in, in order to get into a, a position where I even wanted to learn more, to seek more, I wasn't stuck in the system. Like, like, yes, I work, pay my bills just like anyone else. Right. But I don't consider myself kind of locked in that mental state anymore. You know, I actually do find enjoyment when I find a little piece of information out, <laughs> you know, even yeah. if it comes in the guise of like a song lyric or something that resonates with something that I've recently found out. So there's all kinds of weird little things and, and it like just pieces of the puzzle, man, just like a little bit further, a little tug on that little, like, like red thread of information and knowledge and truth. And, and just get a little bit further each time, like we're wandering through this labyrinth, you know, and it's dark and all we've got is this little, like one match, you know, but it stays yeah. lit the whole time somehow, but it's just one match. You can only see like two inches in front of you, but boy, you could really see that two inches, <laughs> you know? So you study right. that two inches and you keep moving forward. With it, your it's funny match. because, you know, this whole investigation started when I discovered that the earth is flat. And yeah. I was in denial for a good six months, you know, like I was like halfway there and I just kept digging and digging and digging. And then I stumbled across this whole mud flood theory. And I was like, holy shit. And I showed my wife who watched this whole like thing by uh, Howdy McCoskey. And then I bought his book and that just opened up a whole different rabbit hole. And then I was like, OK, why the deception? Why hiding the these structures? Why hiding the evidence of a mud flood? why hiding evidence of a flat earth? And so I started digging and, and trying to piece together what, where it all happened, who is responsible. And part of my, my in research is, you know, a lot, a lot of it can be, you know, you can go further back, but John D. Rockefeller had a huge hand in it. So did Andrew right. Carnegie. I mean, they, they had this, like, Andrew Carnegie had the, 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 the Carnegie endowment, which funded the, the uh the guggenheim and so they place historians that they intentionally placed because they wanted information about their history to be written in, in a certain way so when they started the whole public education in 1908 every they had complete control of the education board completely so they were able to just paint the picture of how they wanted us to know information from then on and so they did away with flat earth just did this whole, you know, they paid money for, for Einstein to, to fund his research, to find, you know, to link gravity and prove oh, yeah, that we definitely. are. Yeah. Write all of the equations to fit the result that you want and, and you will never have a problem. Right. Like, right. Um, and, and yes, although E may very well equal MC square, uh, that's, that's still completely, and they still have taken, yeah, they've completely taken the spiritual etherical side out of that completely. That's the whole goal behind, behind all of it. I mean, and it's, it seems kind of silly at first to say, uh, the whole goal is to make you feel smaller and disconnected with God or source. But really when you look at everything that is being played out, man, all of it is in an effort to keep you from, alchemically anything. changing your soul right like right. I, I think kind of the goal of being here um of learning information of interacting with people i mean everything you do every day like a lot of the goal of that um you know and and when you're when you're a conspiracy theorist or a truther or flat earther 
a lot of the time it can be kind of hard to say, well, if all this live and why, why do I like what keeps me pushing forward and what keeps this relevant, right? Is um, I started kind of looking at it as an alchemical process, right? Like you're, you're kind of brewing this concoction within you. That is your soul. <laughs> you know, you're, yeah. you're, you are through time and effort and trial and error and, and massive amounts of information flowing through you. Like at all times, um, you are slowly just molding ever so gently, but ever so like, you know, expertly, you're just molding your, your soul. And it's so interesting to see these problems we have in the world, to see this last several hundred years of war kind of creating this paradigm we're in now um, and, and seeing that the change that it's made in people, I don't know that 50 years ago, there would have been a group of people who would come together and speak about philosophy, history, science, oh, they everything. Did on their own right but they were they were part of that that certain kind of group or club um and if you weren't part of that club you kind of knew your place in society and backed off it was mm-hmm. kind of a cultural norm you know if you were not part of the in crew in crew or in crowd you just stayed to yourself and just shut that up you know mm-hmm. and um yes people have <laughs> in a good and bad way have gotten louder about what they feel comfortable with expressing so it, it, there's two sides to that but i think on the good side is that there are, are groups of folks like we are having a conversation about so many different things that all kind of weirdly tie together um and it all kind of no matter if you want to admit it or not does tie to the flat earth lie uh you know um that being like kind of the daddy of all lies it seems like uh, because I mean, it's my so foundation. Much of, <laughs> so much of my youth was dedicated to looking at slides of planets. And I same, mean, but it same. always, it always, always seemed hollow to me. I didn't yeah. feel it in my heart when I was looking at these, like they're beautiful images from the Hubble. That's probably the most beautiful stuff was like, from I mean, Hubble. dude, look at this logo. I mean, it was inspired <laughs> I was by NASA. <laughs> I was a NASA fanboy. <laughs> nice. I love it. But now I, I mean, I wrote space is fake. <laughs> uh, right on. Well, see, sometimes you got to mature a little enough yeah. to tag on your own work. <laughs> That's cool. But yeah, I was noticing that earlier. I was going to bring that up. I'm glad you did. Uh, so when it comes to. But to the NASA, new t-shirt, it, it's got a flat earth right here. It's it's the flat earth map. <laughs> oh, nice. Right on. So it's a contradiction. Oh, the, first one had, the first one had the moon in the background. Yeah nice right that, that, on. that was when i was Moving along with the times yeah, <laughs> yeah i love it yeah man getting up the program yeah, yeah and you know i wasn't really ready to admit that i was a flat earther until i had dave on uh most recently uh i was like you know i, I guess i can lump myself in with this crazy fella like <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. um but here's the thing about shape though and i kind of went o- over this with him a little bit this is way off of any other uh, i mean flat earth is off of all topics it's the daddy like i was saying the daddy of crazy deception people but, just want to hate it they don't even yeah. want to look at it they, they just want to hate it instantly yeah but i've noticed that people are being more open-minded like my i was flat smacking a couple of friends of mine last night and i had sent them a video it was the 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 uh the seven hour video the uh ewarnen Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the they're Lost like, History of Flat Earth. Yeah. And, uh, volume two. And one of the girls, she was like, yeah, I'm like 
three hours into that movie. I, I'm, I'm going to listen to it after we leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm just it like brings up their so many. Yeah, it brings up so many valid questions. You know, um, I I mean, I, I I honestly I wonder. Have you seen his newer videos? Uh, he's got yeah. a couple that have come out. And, you know, I understand where he's coming from. And, and you know, Matt did a did an awesome follow up on on his show about these kind of changes in Iwaranon's, uh, you know, kind of modus operandi. You, you right? Know what, you know what I think? I think he whoever did those videos, they they found him, offered some offered him some money to retract all those state, statements because those that retraction is not genuine. He's not very specific. He generalizes his findings. And so it doesn't really match up with his original discoveries. And so it just seems like a quick run through of like, oh, I, I was wrong. And, you know, the, some of these buildings weren't, weren't exactly built when they, these were built sooner. Yeah. Know? Well, and he, he also keeps going on this. Um, it's best not to make general sweeping uh, generalizations. Right. And, and uh I think he's right. There's that one part of those those newer couple. He he keeps hammering on that point. Don't make those vast kind of generalizations to everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm with him on that. And I think a lot of people have when it comes to the mud right. flood. Right. Like, oh, this was this was a worldwide event. Right. Um, people want to think about it a certain way, an act of God, something crazy like that. They don't want to think of, however, is if this was people strip mining everything hydraulic mining everything with the power of airships and other technology just gutting everything that used to be here these mythical cities of gold like shilaga or chicago right we have tales of these cities of gold for a reason because they existed right so what mm -hmm. happens is after they get these giants out or the giants leave or the giants team up with the controller overlords and you know who knows what the dynamic is there because there are pictures of giants with the hidden you know masonic hand you know hanging out with littler people so it's like you know but the optics of that are pretty clear but then why do we even have those pictures unless it's just for the optics of seeing that giant with his hand hidden you know what i mean so well they make it, it seem like it's like a rare occurrence that it's just he's just a freak you know Right, right. But then all of the ones, they're all dressed the same, hanging out with like dressed people and always with that one hidden hand under the breast coat, you know? Yeah. And and it's like, OK, so these giants know what's going on. And you know what I mean? Just as well as these people with their hidden hands standing next to him posing for this picture, all circa like 1880, 1850. So like they're building a narrative right there. Um and the narrative they've built around giants doesn't quite fit that, that it's a genetic disease or disease mm -hmm. and and that it's like one in a million when right around that time period, you have this kind of clustering of all different races of giants. First of all, they weren't just it was very race. common in China, you know? Yeah. And they were you had, you know, you had African giants, you had, I mean, all different races. So that's suggestive of entire populations. Right of of that specific race of giant like that's not just a few giants you know like we're kind of taught in fairy tales it was like it was two giants you know <laughs> like like yeah. no there was there was probably several million at one point maybe giants and uh you know they were the 
the ones that kind of held lordship over whatever was here before is would be my guess. I mean, you have tales of the Indians, the uh, in America battling with these giants, you know what I mean? For like several hundred years from what they say. And uh, these giants, you know, supposedly based on tales, some of them were cannibals maybe, but they all had, they were all redheaded giants. Yeah. So one of my, one of my theories is that they, humans have been genetically modified and, you know, we had that whole period of during, during the, uh, the expositions, they had all, they displayed all the, the baby incubators and what they were doing, because they were doing the same exact thing in Australia, because I've heard other stories from other people from that have different shows. And there's evidence that they were incubating babies in Australia and they were they were, you know, creating this whole race of children that grew up to dig out the old um, the old structures. And then they surrounded the cities with them, built built these cities just like they did here in the West. You know, like in and, and, uh, and once these kids were, were old enough, they, they went to the expositions and they finalized their education. You know, they got their booklet and they had to go through each each class. You know, so they, they didn't just go for a couple of days. They went for like two weeks minimum. And then each day they had to go through different courses and, you know, every day. And so they, they would teach them like different, you know, race. And they, they have all these exhibits of like these, you know, native savages in, in right the, right in yeah habitats. yeah the most bigoted uh type of, of yeah. generalizations ever for so sure they learned everything about the world and they, they were being programmed like right like oh yeah no doubt not and to so, mention i mean and not just these these kids that were kind of going through there and then, see they felt very fortunate because they got to go and mingle with the rich folk you know what i mean who were kind of gifted their you know transit to and from these places and different things but they were they were getting to mingle with sophisticated, you know, folk. And these were just basically worker slaves. Right. You know what I mean? When you look at the upbringing in these orphanages, workhouses, um, you oh, know, yeah. they're, they're digging nonstop. Um, <laughs> uh, what I always found interesting is when you look at old movies about prison, they're always breaking rocks. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that never really made much sense to me until I started looking at the old world situation and the amount of old world buildings that would have been here in America would have necessitated a place to just sit and break them apart all day to create the aggregates that we see on our roadways and gravel in our garden and whatever else, right? Like this, all this aggregate is created by crushing stones. So that means that you have some big stones somewhere, <laughs> you know, and it's all the same kind of like white quartzy kind of marbly kind of run-of-the-mill gravel you go to your hardware store you will find that same white stone gravel that is yeah. everywhere you know and every uh city has a golf course right next to an aggregate plant <laughs> you know what i mean so it's like yeah it's this weird thing michelle gibson goes off on an awesome tangent about that uh about that whole tie-in with well, these big parks are hiding something oh yes yeah parks um national parks golf courses um, sometimes like a lot of the newer housing kind of complexes, these newer track homes and things like there's reasons a lot of this land was developed mm -hmm. was to kind of keep anybody from digging on it, <laughs> you know, basically, yeah. I mean, um, it's, there's a reason why a lot of the land has is forested or reforested. Um, I challenge you to find 
you know, in America, especially, uh, especially in the U S try to find a tree that's more than a couple of hundred years old, uh, oh, aside can't. from right. Aside from maybe, um, some of those Sequoia, uh, but you can't. So, um, and, and see like that, a lot of people want to call that kind of their reasoning behind this massive reset kind of theory, you know, that, um, everything was wiped out. It was like, Oh, you don't have trees. There's no vegetation. There's all this mud. But if you had like an implemented system that was using metal uh, in some way to conduct electricity, it ran throughout all of these older structures and older cities, mm -hmm. and you wanted to a get rid of it and be kind of collect all of the materials, the raw materials, the steel, the copper, the gold, you know, the place would have been rich with it. <coughs> you know, maybe the fastest way would be to just destroy it and, you know, then basically take the stuff you can use out of there. Yeah. And, uh, and then you got these orphans, these kids to do it for you, who they are not going to ask questions. They're just grateful to have anything because most of us are really, you know, when we're younger, even as we get a little older, most of us are grateful just to be around, just to exist. And uh, most people are gen generally goodwilled to each other and are open to suggestion. I don't know if it's because we're homunculus and we're bred that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? To be very impressionable at younger ages and super ornery when we get older, like just kind of cement in. And they know this, right? That's why the, uh, the Prussian school system that we all grew up a part of has, has just, man, done its job to the T for sure. <laughs> yeah. So have you, do you go around like, you know, like around town and stuff and look for evidence of like mud structures, you know, like the lower levels? Cause you know, I, I don't know if you've ever seen that, 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 uh, that episode that Michelle put out where it was like a string of tours that went under in, in the underground cities and around all over yeah, the they, country. They have some, uh, I know of the most famous one is in Seattle. Uh, where you can go to or like kind of the underground yeah. And, and yeah, really, it's just, it's just another layer. You know what I mean? It's, it's very strange how it um, attaches to the, the buildings that are now up what's upstairs, right? Like you go down and it's all red bricked in basements, um, some doors and pathways leading to kind of like nowhere. So yeah. Uh, and see Unfortunately, there are no photographs of what things looked for prior to like the six look, looked like prior to 1600, but there are some etchings. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, there there's some that uh, Iwaranon brings up in his video uh, of this town hall in Switzerland or something like that. But anyway, um, there are a lot of etchings of buildings that clearly show another 20 to 30 feet of building above ground. Right. Yeah. Um, like uh, all the whole complex underneath the Russian Kremlin, um, you know, oh, there's yeah. etchings of that and you can see the entire like superstructure all the way down. And right now you only see the top, maybe third of it. Right. Whereas maybe in the past you had another almost two thirds below. And then you had this like series of channels and canals and things dug around. So, I mean, everything was irrigated to a T. Mm -hmm. um everything was in my opinion was exactly like you see in the older etchings that show all this fine you know stone temple type palaces and cities bastion forts star forts 
<laughs> Sorry about that. That's but yeah, so you see a lot of this, this stonework and, and all of this stuff. And you see the same kind of like attention to detail in these underground places, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, and you can go on tours. I don't know if they probably have shut down a lot of those tours after COVID or what, but <laughs> you know how that goes. The whole, uh, if you're a kind of a mom and pop type of deal and you're not, you know, in with the club, most of them are shut down. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, unless you're, you're requiring a QR code. I don't know. Maybe you can still get by. <laughs> I don't know how it works <laughs> anymore. I don't go out to into society too much anymore. I'm in the Midwest, so I don't have to worry about it. It's like 10 years different out here. Uh, when I came out from like <laughs> Los Angeles, it was like getting in a time machine and going 10 years back. So you know, if you're a listener and you're in New York or Los Angeles, just imagine 10 years ago. And that's about where I'm sitting in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just been really fascinated with like structures, like, like even today, I just found this like church and it looks super old. And, you know, my wife and I, we, we get really fascinated and we're always looking at architecture. Like, I, I don't know if you can see, see that, but, um, Oh yeah. It's, oh man, there's, and that type of architecture <laughs> is everywhere. Every town center. I mean, almost without fail. Um, I'm going to look it up. <laughs> it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, literally look up just any random town in the Midwest. Um, they all have a courthouse that looks exactly like the building you just showed me. Mm -hmm. They will have several churches in the, in the surrounding area. Some of which look very, very old. Um, one church nearby in a town nearby where I'm at has these remnants of flying buttresses. Are you, are you familiar with that, uh, arch or, um, that aspect of, uh, architecture? It's kind of, a a strand that reaches out, uh, almost like one would imagine cables holding up something. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah. it's called a flying buttress. And, you know, personally, I think that maybe it had something to do with the conductivity of the building or the diversion yeah. of energy, not a hundred percent sure. Um, Cause of course I don't know what was connected to the building to make all this function, you know, where the battery source was and yeah. so on. But um, it had these, these kind of remnants off to the side of these kind of flying buttresses. It was this weird kind of haphazard brickwork built up around it, you mm -hmm. know, which looked odd. And uh, so I'm looking at, at old churches with kind of an eye for detail now, like is that window, over bricked in, you know, I see a lot of this, like where you'll have a very deep seated window, yeah, you know, and it's just a regular single panel glass window. So why is it seated so deep, like within the brickwork? What, what's going on there? You know, um, why are the walls so thick? <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that a lot of it was kind of a rebuild or a cover up of some of the things that maybe were here. And people get kind of touchy about the whole whether buildings and things were here or not. Like, was it from a previous civilization? Um, you know, personally, I think that that civilization that occupied these places that were from quote unquote before, yeah. I think that these people were just like you and me. These were just your average townsfolk. We just, uh, by we, I mean the, you know, the, the controller society group that, stomped everything out and took it over. And so uh, when they took everything over, they sent everybody who didn't fall in line or folks that maybe lived on this land or lived in these towns. 
and they sent them to these asylums and they just left them there. Yeah. Meanwhile, they just brought new people from Europe or from New York City or the slums or wherever or incubators, which came from test tubes. That's an idea that I'm got to say, it seems more and more likely that we just popped up out of nowhere and uh, and had to have everything written. You know what I mean? For yeah. us, because there was who knows, maybe several thousand years of desolation on this planet. Right. Um, there's evidence of ancient war um maybe not so ancient <laughs> you know in my opinion um maybe a lot of the devastation that we see uh just had been sitting there for a while you know what i mean maybe right. it was under a giant sheet of ice for five to seven thousand years and finally thawed out over the last thousand i mean um, it's possible right yeah. and then we just kind of we just kind of show up out of nowhere. Everything is kind of written starting at a certain point, right around the 1400s, a little before, maybe 200 years before or after. But then anything aside from that, we have these like kind of very structured stereotypical tales of the several thousand years leading up to that. They overlap a lot. There's a lot of duplications in uh, the periods of certain King's reign or, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's a lot of this weird, fabrication and you know patching up of histories and and stories and all different um corresponding you know things with that having that like i was talking about earlier that second or that first hand account right so a lot of time has gone into i dare say forging corroboration for a lot of stories and situations um you know even the signatures of most past presidents prior to probably like world war one can't be verified by like living person that that was actually written right. by them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so there was yeah. a lot of, a lot of ghost writing going on a lot of, you know, weird things happening with, um, with everything, all histories being rewritten right around this time. So it's like, I find that so intriguing that, Man, that that first of all, that you can get to a point where you have to rewrite history because you've taken over something that was so substantial, you know, because whatever was here before, whatever this city state system or, you know, freelands or whatever it looked like prior uh, to this new involvement was was definitely, you know, man, apparently worth fighting for to the last man until you end up with your last good people in an asylum. Um, that speaks to me of, of a major conflict for a very long time and that these people didn't just suddenly rapture and disappear, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I, I think that as much as, you know, I would like a very neat and easy kind of answer to the what happened to these previous kind of civilization or these people it's not going to be easy because they're no, constantly no, deleting history like you know you try i tried looking up like when the um the u.s capital was built and they you you can find construction but there was also a fire wasn't there a fire in like 1812 <laughs> yeah yeah so, oh yeah it's 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 all it's all over the place and there's always a fire you will find this out when you start looking into history especially architecture okay architecture yeah. tells tells t- stories right about the time period it was built in there's a reason a lot of this stuff has been destroyed because i don't know if it's a genetic or like a soul tie kind of memory 
thing that happens when you see something you can, if you have learned to kind of use this part of you, you can feel the depth of a certain building or a certain object. If you allow yourself to, I'm not saying I'm like some guru at anything or anything like that, but if I see something that's out of place, like some uh, bricked over flying buttress halves on this church in the, you know what I mean? In the town that just doesn't make sense for where it's sitting on the street and everything else. It makes me think, you know, I'm not saying I got all the answers, but um, yeah, just the, the, the death, the devastation of this entire grouping, putting them in asylums. I mean, it had to be tons and tons of people in order to warrant giving these massive complexes that these asylums are on to the care of these, you know, infirm or whatever, right. They gave them all these weird titles. Um, and some of the things that they would admit people to these asylums to for, <laughs> or like as simple as like a woman being disagreeable, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, I mean, it's, uh, or, you know, a man, uh, essentially thinking too much overthinking i think was was another yeah. one so i these mean these asylums are huge i mean they massive. house three four hundred sometimes a thousand people and you're like why would you need an insane asylum for that many people or were that many that many people crazy in, in in utah in the middle of nowhere you have one asylum that that covered a stretch of like right and it was like know. one of the first buildings or the first things built yeah. in in all of salt lake yeah that you had they the don't temple. even have the population <laughs> to even fill that building let alone yeah. have a building that needs that many people <laughs> yep yep and then and then they they were like well we've we've got to figure out some way to kind of water down the populace all we have is people in these asylums so uh so then they they start <laughs> the entire population kids. is in that they, building <laughs> right so we got to create some kids in an underground bunker and you know what i mean uh sell them on the boardwalk and so they did like the stuff sounds crazy when you say it like this but how else are you going to get that many babies in incubators of such a small size right mm-hmm. unless you have some type of a farm mechanism whether it's yeah. pregnant ladies i don't like to think about that i'd rather they come from test tubes unfortunately i'd rather they come full-on experimental form you know out of like some kind of a weird bottle or something but uh who knows what the mechanism was all that we know is there was a ton of kids in a very short period of time uh, especially for that time period right because like everything we're kind of told about that time period is it was not like the greatest time to live there was a lot of hardship, blah, blah, blah. So why would all these people be having children? You know yeah. what I mean? And unless perhaps it was something quite the contrary and it was a great time to live. Technology was amazing. There was a system of essentially rule and ownership that everybody kind of benefited from. And this is kind of pie in the sky thinking to think that humans <laughs> have had a society that functioned at one point, yeah. but um I mean, this this society did function well enough to create these people that wouldn't budge on their ideals and would have to be locked up in asylums, you know, yeah. or, or pretty much have to be killed. And um, all, all of the whole War of 1812, Civil War, um, all of these French Indian, Indian American, Mexican American, you know what I mean? All these different wars taking place around this time. That, you know, in my opinion, just based on what I'm seeing, the patterns that I've seen is that was all one big thing. This was all, you know, they were smaller. resetting the population. 
because it, it was getting out of control because uh, one of my students came up to me a couple of weeks ago and she said she wanted to do a research paper on the spinning jenny. I was like, oh, I hadn't even heard of the spinning jenny. So I started looking up, looking it up with her. And, you know, I was like trying to find an angle that was interesting. And all of a sudden I discovered that the spinning jenny caused like this whole industrial collapse. Everybody was making garments from their home. And all of a sudden, this machine was, you know, one machine with eight spindles could do the work of eight women instead of one person. And so it caused this whole collapse of this, in, this fabric, this textile industry. And so all these people had to move into the city and they were poor, they were dirt poor. And, and during that time, the only like um, st- in, in this poverty system, this uh, economic like support system is that these people had to live in work homes and they had to be separated from their children and so these children if they were over the age of seven they would they would be sent to this orphan orphanage and then when once they reached the age of nine they were able to work and so they work like slaves so there was this whole population of children who were doing adult labor and the population was just so dense in these cities that they had to get rid of them so they once they were old enough, they had this, like, they were constantly having wars just to get rid of the populations. And so I'm thinking that part of that population, they were sending them off in these orphan trains and sending them out West. Right. For sure. For sure. There's definitely a mix of man, all different types of kids, different age groups. But what, what's kind of like the, the most alarming is, is the very tiny infants. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, these preemie babies. Right. And, and just, you know, the infrastructure that would kind of allow you to take care of that many infants kind of suggests that uh, you knew these infants were coming and you built the infrastructure up in order to have places for all. You know what I mean? For all this, it shows a high level of attention to detail and planning, you know, and then when you have these things spread out around the country, around even parts of the world, I think they even had infantoriums probably in Paris and some of the expositions and kind of the higher caliber areas of society, you know, wherever, wherever they were putting this new face right out to, uh, to all these people. And, you know, uh, when you, you start looking at like classic novels and, and the way that, sometimes they'll kind of discuss a previous era, you know, uh, a beautiful time, right. With nostalgia, oftentimes they'll refer to this kind of time before. Yeah. For the um, rich. <laughs> right. And I think, I think that that's, that's spot on. I, I think that when people are, are alluding or, you know, deluding themselves into believing that there was this kind of this self-sustaining, you know what I mean? Uh, just network of humans that was being cognizant and aware of each other. And it was all love and peace and everything else. I think that that's maybe taking it too far, but I do think that just like now there was a, a, a large element of people that were peaceful and, you know, were family people were just going through their experience, learning what they're, what they're here to learn and, you know, doing their thing. And then like somewhere along the line, a certain volume or something of, of uh, maniacal people kind of got together and realized that when they kind of flex their, you know, their, their mania together, 
that yeah. things happen and stuff starts shifting, you know? Um, and I think a lot of that kind of comes from this, what we're taught of as the mystery schools, the Atlantean mystery schools. Um, if you've read like any Manly P hall and like secret teachings, he kind of disseminates all the different schools of thought breaks them all down. And they're all a, a smaller and a smaller branch on the tree. Right. Yeah. All these different belief systems and understanding nodes on this, this, you know, roots of this tree. And they're all so specific and, and so segregated from each other that basically, unless you take a step back and look at all the secret teaching kind of schools and say, okay, put them all together and make them personal, you're never going to know what's going on with the whole bigger scheme of anything. And it's kind of like that with secret societies too. They're compartmentalized, you know, around Mm -hmm. you have, you know, the Masonic lodges, which is essentially it's, it's not so much the building of buildings, uh, you know, the Freemasonic Lodge anyway, it's not like the Masonics or the builders of previous eras, but um, you have these, these lodges that are essentially there to build the social infrastructure. You know what I mean? They're, they're the, the builders of what we would consider infrastructure for us nowadays. And they do, they do an okay job at having that stuff in place, schools and so on. Constructing the mind. Right. Yeah. The government, you know, they're, they're, yeah, they're governing your mind or the, the mente and, uh, and and they do a fantastic job, man. I mean, they've still got me hook, line and sinker, uh, when it comes to everything, I mean, everything for me to even pay attention or pay any mind to anything going on that is, uh, shown on media or put through, through Hollywood, um, just, Every time I sit down and watch a movie, I'm like, man, they got me. They got me again. They got every yeah. time I sit down and and partake in a GMO food product, man, they got me again. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm and we're all kind of to a certain extent kind of guilty of giving up our our piece of power. But I think that comes on the tail of a vicious kind of all out, all for nothing, or all for almost, I guess, all for not kind of struggle between. Yeah. Well, I, I can't give up a good glass of whiskey, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and, and dude, like, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to give up uh, watching anime or, you know, having the internet and, you know, all of the comforts that I have in, in this world just to be, and, and see, that's the thing. A lot of people will find it like an area of, I can be social justice warrior and you know what I mean? Make change and this and that, but it's like, well, realistically, you can go out and preach on a pulpit and do all this stuff. Um, but who are you doing that for at the end of the day? Are you doing that for like your own kind of kind of ego or, you know what I mean? And like what's those going people on there? don't attract any new followers. You, or, you sit or on the side processes, you, right? Like you, you sit on the corner thoughts. <laughs> have you ever wondered like those people who have those speaker systems and they're preaching to the to the masses? Do, do they ever do you think they ever attract it? one follower a day you know i don't i'm not sure but i, I can't I, imagine they would. i do think that like that there's a lot to be said about the intention of what they're doing um i don't think that like physically uh directly that they attract you know really anything aside from maybe their own energy by putting that stuff out there um 
I'm guessing they get some form of uh, gratification or clarification. But, but do from you all ever that. feel like what we do? Oh, absolutely. Like yeah, absolutely. <laughs> For We're sure. We're just preaching to the choir. Yeah. And, but, and you know what? It's, it's okay though, because it's a step further than where I was last year when I didn't know there was yeah. a choir. Right. I thought I was singing alone and uh, you know, so I'm looking forward to like the next year uh, finding out a few more awesome things like bouncing it off of each other. Hey, what's going on with this? Um, well, here's what I think. What do you think? And then like, if we, I don't know, I feel like if we all genuinely consider each other's input, like genuinely from a place of like humility, you know, yeah. maybe we can get to where we have a better understanding within yeah. maybe the next few years instead of the next couple of decades. Right. I mean, but like, the- these shows have inspired me to do my own research because I, I don't want to just assume that what you tell me is the truth. Right. I, it's I, so complicated too. Yeah. There's so much to all of it, man. Space. There's so much just to that, right. Just to that whole scenario. Um, if if I military, watch a video, right? if, if I watch a video, I'll do a screenshot and then I'll look it up and then I'll verify it for myself. And then I'm like, Oh shit, this, this is real. Or like, you know, like the Iroh Annan, like he was like, you know, told me to to look up the the buildings in my area. And I was looking up every freaking building and it, it was like a needle in the haystack trying to find something that went past beyond oh, yeah. the founded date. Yeah, it's it's it very strange. And, and and then you start seeing the uh, the way that things were established echoing. Right. Like the the um, time periods where a lot of these places were established the way that um, that certain buildings came into existence, um, one of which, oh, it was in, I think it's in Chicago. It's the old water tower in Chicago. And I think it's still there today. So there's a lot of like back and forth of, of how that building came to be. There's nothing, can't really pin it down to actually being built, you know, yeah. and there's a lot of that that happens. When I went to recently the courthouse right here up the street from me, uh, in the lobby, they have a picture and it's it's a, a schematic. It's a, a hand drawn, you know, two scale schematic of the front of the building. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, and, it, you know, you, you could struggle with this. There are different types of blueprints and there's all kinds of stipulations to the whole. Well, how can we never see legitimate building schematics for these buildings? We see the architectural art always burning fires, <laughs> right? But you know, and we see this this artwork that's done from the outside. There's a ton, a ton of you know literal literary or uh, archive, arch, yeah, arch, arch, archival, archival uh, information yeah. on architecture accents and and different um, different styles of accents, pillars. Like I mean, and this goes, and they're they're usually lumped into like two or three different French architects, two or three different Italian ones. And they'll have this kind of portfolio of, of different aspects of architecture, but what it looks like to me just, and you know, I could be a layman for all I know, who knows what it looks like to me is that these people were drawing based on what they were seeing. Mm -hmm. It's not that they were imagining, Hey, this is, you know, a Romanesque style column with, such and such design. No, they were drawing this standing there looking at this thing and drawing it before it got destroyed. (laughs) And now they have these compilation of all these different accents and different styles from the past. Um, And then they were listed as the creator of that style. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and this is usually happening right around 16 to maybe 1750 was kind of the establishing of, you know, who they were going to say built this stuff that they had planned to get taken over or to get reused. So it's, it's crazy. And then like, once you can spot just how the story was built, you can kind of pick it apart a little and go, well, is there any, anything to corroborate this other than what is handed over in this neat little package? You know what I mean? Like this neat little package about this architect encompasses something like two or three different cities worth of, you know what I mean? Worth of buildings you supposedly had a part in. And, um, you know, they never go on about the, the contractor. There's never anything about the contractor, only about the architect. And uh, last time I checked, most architects don't actually construct the building. So, you know, I want a yeah. little bit more information on that. If And, and um well, just like the yeah, architecture, yeah. the arch the architect that designed the the eighteen ninety three World's Fair, he had no prior experience in any construction at all. Right. Yeah. And you know, even if these buildings were made of wood frame with with plaster, seven hundred acres, okay, mm-hmm. of of buildings, and and most of it was built out. It wasn't seven hundred acres with a few houses or a few little buildings. These things were massive, massive. And how many people visited that, that area, that exhibition in that six month period? How many, how many million, millions of people? I I want to say 25, 20, 20 million between. It was a lot. Yeah. It was more than I realized kind of existed even at that point, you know, to be honest, like like, where did 20 million people come from? (laughs) And when we think of it, yeah. And we're, we're taught about, you know, the wild west and, and things like that. We are, we've painted ourselves into a corner with the picture we've been handed, you know? And, yeah. and I think that that's why so many people are so quick to defend their old story is because dude, we've been getting hit with this from the time I was like an infant playing with, uh, you know, cowboy versus Indian army men, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, like, so we've had this certain way things have happened, hammered into us, you know what I mean? From, from the get-go and this has gone back several generations so we can't look at our parents and go oh, it's your fault dad you know you never taught me <laughs> what was going on in the world well your dad didn't know either neither did his dad or his dad yeah. before him you know what i mean we've all kind of been born into this and it seems like maybe i don't know don't quote me on this but we might be some of the first generation to actually kind of see it <laughs> see everything for what it is true um because information uh, was limited for everyone that preceded us. Yeah, it's and it's it's so crazy. And, you know, a lot of people like, yeah, you know, or I, I like to feel like we're using, you know, the tools at our disposal to do essentially, you know, the Lord's work and disseminate knowledge and, and things. But then I look at like the expert kind of degree with which they've constructed this last narrative and it took all of this computing power and people power, mind, energy, focus to start picking it apart. Right. Um, and uh, so like, what are, are we being manipulated in, in, in a crazy grander scale into creating and fashioning the new narrative that Klaus Schwab talks about and all that, right. Are we actually fashioning the new past, the new history for these people inadvertently yeah you, you know i'm kind of i kind of wonder a lot about that especially when he's like oh we we feel feasible or we feel 
uh, writes into a narrative, you know, how, how he goes and he goes on and on. And I'm like, dude, I, I wonder if, if we're doing it for him, like, are we doing this guy's work? And Bill Gates is just sitting over there, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, just like rolling his fingers and, oh man, just loving it. Cause he's got all these zoom calls with all this juicy stuff on what might make an interesting past, you know? And so like, Later on, after all the monkeys take us out or whatever happens, Planet of the Apes, oh, <laughs> you know, goes on. I don't even know, man. It's so crazy. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I, one of the things I wanted to bring up to you was the the Baker Hotel. If you've ever heard of that, it's in Mineral Wells, Texas. I, I love Texas. I've been discovering so much old like our architecture and like just crazy stuff. But the Baker Hotel, it's under renovation right now. And there's this guy, He's he's got this social media account. And I have to look it up. I'm going to have to post a video because uh, his discovery is kind of, it kind of confirms some of the, the old tech. And um, the building was, uh, it, it was built in, in the, after 1900. But there, I, I looked up in the, the Texas Almanac and it, there was a notorium there that was built between 1851 and 1863. So where the, the same location of that hotel was another building. And that building, he said that the, he had to rewire the entire system to be able to connect to the power grid because the Baker Hotel had, it, had its own power grid. It sustained its own power source. And he's like, these walls are like nothing I've ever seen. And then he showed like a bits of like, um, like, like copper wire and, and, and whatever iron and, and all these like conduct conductive uh, materials. Right. Like, like embedded within the structure itself. Yes. It's, and, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. It was I like totally it. wild. And, and that's another thing. The notoriums were like famous all over the country in the, in the mid 1800s. And so they were all connected to natural uh, mineral springs. And if you looked up anything, any, anything about the mineral springs in like England and Italy, there were, there were uh, magnesium mineral springs. So they would take mineral baths and it would, you know, be giant, giant pools. They could fit like a thousand people. And what these pools would do is they, they would, they were healing centers. So you would go on the pool and it would just, it suck all the toxins out of your body and you would feel revived. And they did, they completely did away with that in like the mid 1900s around the oh, yeah. 1930s. They, they just dilapidated all of them. And so we don't have that resource anymore. You have to go to the natural spring, which are very difficult to find. Yeah. And, and if you're able to find one that still exists and is like un, unadulterated, you're going to pay you know, you're going to pay for the luxury to use it. Um, right. You know, so I, there's a, you're I guess there's a lot of, <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And man, it's, it's so sad to, to look at that. So there were certain things that obviously in the past maybe were more collectively kind of available, but after looking, you know, further, further back into it and seeing star forts, right. And thinking about like the kind of social dynamic that that would entail, you know, everything being kind of contained within the walls, um, having at the peak or in the center, uh, you know, some kind of most likely the, the governor's house or something, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, 
I'm sure that it was a very different situation with what was within city walls and what was outside, um, you know, tales of crazy beasts and uh, dogmen. And I mean, you name it, like there's tales of it out there back in what we would call star fort times, you know, there's etchings of all kinds of weird stuff, Bigfoot type people yeah. uh, walking around carrying scrolls. So like apparently Bigfoot can write and read. So, you know, just for everyone out there, like give Bigfoot a chance. Come on, you know, <laughs> but I, I but, still uh, love George Nori in Coast to Coast. And it's so they would always have those kind of stories. Oh, yeah. I love it, dude. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the things that, that got me started was Coast to Coast AM, man, listening to people's abduction stories and uh, oh, the yeah. people hearing the trumpets of the trumpets of Babylon in the middle of the night in Arkansas, you know, and like all kinds of weird stuff, all kinds of crazy this, stuff. There's and, so many stories of shadow people that you would think that you would know someone that that experienced it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you find out later in life that you do know people that have experienced it. And you're like, wow, I don't know if that's a real thing anymore. Those people are crazy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then it happens to you and you're like, oh. They got me. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've met people who've experienced Bigfoot, and I'm still like on the fence about that whole thing. You yeah, know? I I want to, but I mean, I've had I had an experience uh, with lights in the sky, you know, UAP, UFO, whatever. And the thing is, is like I feel like to some degree, I wanted to have that experience, so I did. I anticipated like I was going to have that experience. Like there's no doubt about it. When I went out there, that's what I was going to do. And so like, if, if that can happen and, and here's like kind of the toss up on the alien thing. All right. Does that mean they can read my minds and put lights in the sky at their, <laughs> at their own whim, yeah, you know, know, or, or is it something simpler? Like there's some kind of little thing in my cell phone. When I played that C five site or whatever, they queued in zeroed in with their satellites that are floating in space, remember? So see, space has to be possible for that to work, for the whole like mass surveillance from satellites, uh, you know, uh, Project Blue Beam, putting lights in the sky above you, even if you're just a random nobody in the Midwest one night, <laughs> you know? Well, even, you know, Crow 777's videos and when he's showing the lunar wave, I mean, there's these unidentified objects flying around the moon and it, it it's trip it trips me out i don't know what it is nobody knows what it is <laughs> yeah it's, i'm no closer to knowing even though i had an experience with lights in the sky all that did was probably confuse me even more but there were always <laughs> there were always in groups of threes if you notice that these crafts and then when i experienced the lights i was driving home and it was like really late at night it was like one in the morning there was no traffic around me and i saw a V shape of like five lights and it was just perfectly following me. And I thought it was a reflection. Then I looked behind me and there was nothing. And then I looked back up and I'm like, Oh shit, that looks like a spacecraft. And then I looked again and then it took off and it was like, like as quick as I looked at it. That's crazy. Yeah. I've seen, I've never seen the angular angular craft. I actually, I saw one, this was some time ago. This was like, Oh, probably in like 2012 or so. Um, it, it was like a, three lights, like you're saying, kind of like three three points of light that kind of somehow merged together to form a crescent shape. And then they merged into one point of light and then disappeared. So that was kind of a weird thing to see happen. 
you know, um, that was one that could probably be explained as like swamp gas or something, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, like I was new to the Midwest. I didn't know what was going on. And, uh, I even posted on, on MUFON on the UFO network and they never said anything back about it. I just wonder if other people had seen the same thing, you know, which is why I posted it on there. But, huh. uh, yeah, man. So hopefully soon I'll, I'll look into more trying to call aliens down and interact with them. Once I get kind of the cojones up for it, I'm not quite prepared to be like, yeah, I want to have like a face-to-face alien encounter. Cause there's a good chance it might happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm like <laughs> on the fence about wanting to will that to actually happen or not. It was cool seeing lights in the sky, but I don't know about any further than that. You know, I don't know if I want to yeah. sit, sit face to face in a spaceship with some other entity. Uh, I, mean, I do think to an extent that we, we have the capability of, of developing that technology and we're hiding it from the public. I mean, it's not a, absurd to think that that's possible. And if there is extra territory outside of this realm, I mean, and it's parallel and this realm is all flat, I mean, it's possible it could, it could just be coming from another part of where, whatever we live on, you know? Right. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, we only see a very limited wavelength of anything that's going on. We only touch a certain frequency you know what i mean um so our our interaction is so very limited you know i think a lot of people forget that you know what i mean like even a bumblebee uh can see ultraviolet and other bandwidths that you can't even a dog can hear things that you can't and sense things that you can't but also even a child can sense things that you have learned not to and right. we're, we're fed so much propaganda, you know, with like Disney and, and Hollywood movies that, you know, like my whole life, I just loved spa- like space and fantasy and, and oh, absolutely. Star Wars, and Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> yes. that it's altered my perception of reality, thinking that space is a real thing and it's possible to travel at light speed and, and you know, and go to distant galaxies. But, you know, it's just like, telling us the whole story of how how the the, the sun is just flying <coughs> 1.3 million miles it's, an hour it's and, all mad it's all madness dude and yeah there's no we can prove we can prove that you know if if more people had uh had pushed like if there was a bigger push for people to get into photography and learn like the the science of optics we wouldn't have the problem we have now like all camera people, right, are, are are absorbed by the Hollywood machine, by the entertainment machine. So right. anybody that puts their head behind a camera and and formats their work, you know, their art and photography, <laughs> they're bought by the system already. Um, and they're the ones right. that would know based on perspective and point of view what the situation is with the sunlight coming through the clouds and things like this. So there are certain things that you can use your eyes and see just to see that something doesn't make sense. And so all of these photographers that understand this, they're all backing the system that, <laughs> that is wanting to have nothing to do with this fact coming out. You know, um, that, that's we're, we're in a plasma, we're in a plasma circuit. We're in a circuit. All right. This is, this is an electrical circuit that we're a part of, yeah. you know, um, and we all, even us little people down here, you know, humans, this little fractal of a soul down here, we are playing a part 
uh, because there's always a macro and there's always a micro and it goes infinite, you know, both ways. So we're playing a part for those things that are significantly larger than our scale can understand. And, you know, they are playing a part for other things we don't understand. This can be the overlap of like spirits and, you know, ghosts and things like this. Um, or that could all just be wavelengths that we don't have the equipment to see and interact with. I think maybe both are likely, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about getting abducted by aliens, man. I, I'm still on the fence about that. <laughs> so well, I'm like, I want to see movies... one, you know, I want to interact. Like I want to sit face to face and be like, Hey, so what's the story? Um, but I always feel like if I asked like, oh, so what's the point of all this? I feel like the answer that I would get back would be, well, you already know what the point of it is. <laughs> and then I would have to go back through all of the things that I think might be the reason for life and pick one. And then I'd be like, oh, I still get to pick one, dude. You're supposed to tell me, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't think that they come out and tell you what the meaning of your existence is. I think you got to figure that out for yourself. I mean, the whole push for aliens, you know, like this, I mean, it's been in the news quite a bit lately. And I feel like it's just another weapon in their arsenal that they're try just trying to get us away from God and, and you know, uh, further, the, the further you go from yourself uh, and, and, you know, uh, some people kind of frown on this, this out, out outlook, but, but I mean, even, even in the Bible, Jesus says uh, about, you know, your temple is, is your, your, your heart. You know what I mean? You're, I believe that the connection to God is within. Right. Yes. And so we are so distracted with carnal pleasures and, and entertainment galore, right? Mm -hmm. Government. So we've got the two things, the governing and the entertaining of our minds right there. So we've got it all. And, and the more we kind of eat from that or drink from that cup, you know, the further we get from ourselves and then we're disconnected exactly. from God um, because, you know, God is in man. It's so simple, but it's so vast. Like God is in love and everything that lightens, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's not necessarily the shade of light or the shade of dark. It's, it's kind of, it comes from an emotional place. So we don't have the words in our English language. And in most languages, we don't, we don't have the words to kind of describe uh, positive emotion and positive spirituality. We have a lot of words for evil and, you know, demon and all this, but we only have like angels and God. That's the two things on the light. Well, that's side another thing. They're, they're constantly changing the meanings of words. So it's, yeah. take, it's taking away the power that we can harness by with those words. You know, they're, they're constantly changing the, the definitions when they were, I was trying to tell my friend how, you know, in the black community, they were pushing the abonics uh, language and how, the reason why they're doing that is because they're taking away the power from words from from your, you know, from from the black community. It's like don't adopt that language because you're 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 ridding yourself of that power that's within you. Yeah, you you manifest things manifest things through through speaking, and so if you're speaking a broken language, then you're going to have broken power. It's not it's worthless. Well, that's exactly what English is. That's what every language we are handed is. Um, they're all broken languages, uh, you know, and, and always the removing of words, changing of meanings. When you change a meaning of something and make somebody doubt in their own head 
that they are able to express that meaning with that word just by putting that little piece of doubt in there. Maybe this doesn't mean this Mm -hmm. uh, just breaks the magic of that word. It breaks the intention. Exactly. You know, it's man, it's, I used to think it was just fairy tales and talking about magic and things like this. But then after seeing kind of how my own life has been manipulated by words, how my own, you know, intention and my own direction has Mm -hmm. been kind of like toyed with based on semantics is mind blowing. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, all all you have to do is just look out, look outside your door and look at society and, and you hear how they're speaking to one another. And if that language is, is a broken dialect, you know, it's just like, you know, in the Latin communities and, you know, the, the more impoverished communities, they have, they, they're, their languages are so far removed from its original dialect that that's why they're, they're impoverished the way they are because it's so far removed from the original language that they've lost that power. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. That, that along with the changing of the names of deities, right. The changing uh, of the explanations of where this uh, intent of prayer is kind of going, you know, um, turning uh, Yeshua into Jesus and all of these other things and, and possibly even from raw to that. So like you're constantly shifting a people's intention mm-hmm. uh, to, to achieve a certain result. I, I would imagine, you know, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, and, and when you have people focusing their intention on certain things, I don't know if it's like a lot of people believe that there's like lizard people feeding on our louche. Right. Or if it's, <laughs> Or if it's more of a, a dimensional type of thing, like as we are able to create certain types of energy, there must therefore be something that consumes or gets rid of that energy for, for there to be balance. Right. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I'm at. And maybe possibly with aliens and, and stuff too, there's this balance thing going on where you have, you know, the loose sucking lizard men, but then you also have, <laughs> Maybe, maybe you have the, you know, the light workers on the other side. I don't know. I like to hope so. You know, I like yeah. to hope that there, there are uh, other species. I don't think it would be so cool to be the only thing, but based on the giant cover up, I think there's definitely more species out there at a minimum, larger people. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I think Bigfoot is, is a real possibility too, especially seeing him in like etchings from yeah. uh, medieval times. And uh, apparently he was a part of society back then. Now he's just kind of ostracized and left out there in the wild. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, Randy, it's already been two hours. Oh, man. Went all <laughs> over the place. Dude, I love it. Though. I appreciate you jabbering oh, like, with me, dude. dude this is so a lot awesome. of fun. Yeah. And there's just there's there's so much, man. And I, I just so uh, hope that that I can empower one person to go and have a conversation like this, you know, um, at first, man, I totally felt like, what am I doing? Like, I hit, hit reset and re-record and everything else. And then it gets to a point where it's like, wow, like I'm constantly learning something from every conversation I have, um, getting a unique perspective every single time. doesn't matter who I talk to. I'm always able to kind of walk away and take something that helps fit some of my little puzzle piece in, you know, even if I don't realize it today, right? Like maybe I go back and listen to this 
a few months down the line and I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that thought and then revisit that thought. So yeah, man, I, I hope that everybody out there can revisit those thoughts, you know what I mean? And find that joy and discovery. Uh, even yeah. if your discovery leads you to kind of a dark place where you're like, well, what do I do with this? Just, just hold on to that for you, man. Shine, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> do the best I mean, you can to shine. That's part of why I do this is just to be able to talk to somebody because, you know, I'm surrounded by blue pillars and just people who are just walking zombies and you try to introduce anything and they're just like, oh, why? I don't, where'd you get that information from? What source, you know? And then they want to hear something mainstream. At, oh man. It's like, what a miserable <laughs> existence. And I don't know. Uh, I think that's why I never felt at home existing that way. You yeah. know, and I always felt closer to fiction than I did to what was portrayed as, as history or truth. Always, always felt closer yeah, to like we're living in fiction and of... in, in going into a fiction <laughs> to escape fiction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. It's just that fractal layer, baby. Gotta yeah. love it. It's been yeah. an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much for humoring me and uh and for <laughs> finally getting with me. And man, I definitely hope to catch you. I've been taking a little kind of uh hiatus lately working yeah. too much but uh i'm looking to pull myself out of that here real soon try to get some stuff lined up for all the folks out there that's what uh, i went through the last six months that's why i hadn't been doing any shows i was under a lot of stress and i couldn't find time to do this and you know then lo- real life gets in the way and you have all these responsibilities and they're like, yeah Shit, what am i gonna i can't do a show yeah but then <laughs> then you kind of re- rekindle your passion for wanting to and you're like oh yeah i remember what that how, how much fun yeah. that was to meet and, people and talk to people but then there are those days where it's like i'm having a case of the mondays i'm not <laughs> and, <laughs> and another it. thing i feel like i've matured i've done a lot of research when I haven't been doing shows. I've just been doing compiling so much research. I've been reading a lot. And then I think it's just strengthening my memory, you know, by reading and doing a lot of that research. Oh yeah, definitely. It, it adds to your, your bigger personal truth kind of picture, you know? And, and I think that that's important for everybody um, yeah. not to worry about, does my personal truth match with somebody else's, but and, to like completely yeah. own and be in your personal truth. I used to worry what other people would say. Now I don't care, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And that takes a lot of doing, man. It really does. Like to get to a point where like at first, when I first started, I didn't want to come on camera, you know, nothing. Uh, But then I I sucked it up and got over it, got over the fact that, you know, Microsoft has all of my conversations, (laughs) all of my topics, you know, like, so once you get over all that stuff, you, it kind of allows you to live a little, you know yeah. what I mean? To to be like, ah, oh, you know what? <laughs> I might as well have a good time jabbing about it while we can, because uh, you know, who knows what's next. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Right well, on, bro. Hey, oh, would will you let everybody know oh, how yeah. to find your your uh your work? Your yeah, podcast? for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh you can find my work. Uh no, it's 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 a guilty <laughs> pleasure. Um my podcast is Red Thread Podcast, and I'm uh just about everywhere podcasts are. Uh as uh, as Mikey knows, I was having some issues with Apple. So if you're a wizard out there and you can hook me up with an Apple ID, hit me up. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I'm Randy and it's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate you having me. You can find pretty much every podcast player. So nice. All right, brother. Well, it was great talking to you. Great meeting you. And uh, we'll we'll see you next time. And- Absolutely. Sounds good, right. dude. Have a good night. You too.
good to meet you man it's good to meet you finally (laughs) yeah no doubt no doubt dude it's been a an interesting uh last couple of months man just trying to refine balance you know after some changes in life and oh yeah getting there getting there you know but i I know what that's like that it's just constant you know i i that's why i haven't been doing a lot of shows just you know real life just gets in the way and for sure and and you know if you're not vibing with it at the at the moment i've found out that it's better not to force something like you know if you're pinched for time and it's like you're in a frantic state you know maybe better to not jump into you know <laughs> the a first interaction or meeting with somebody um you know if the, if there's like a hectic going on in in life and you're not able to kind of put that aside you know in short order um you know i don't like to drag my my uh emotional state too much into my podcast work you know what i mean uh i do share you know emotional things but uh try not to bring that so much (laughs) out to to the fine folks out there you know in the universe um like to put out you know the energy that i would anticipate kind of receiving back in some fashion um for sure you know that seems to be you know the the biggest thing that i've noticed is in putting something out into the world or you know, the digital universe or the airwaves or what have you, um, you know, you're, you're exercising your intent to, Oh yeah. To, um, learn, maybe it's just your intent to learn about something, right? Like, so, uh, you know, I'll go on podcasts and have some of my own episodes about the old world, you know, and all these different aspects of it Mm -hmm. and just keeps kind of like growing, you know? So you, what do you do? You sink a little more intention into it and you talk about it with a couple more people, and yeah. and then you know you just dig a little bit deeper find something else out you didn't know and uh the crazy thing is is almost every day you're finding something out that kind of negates something else that you've learned so you're constantly oh, yeah. having to to shift your your mindset and go well yeah. you know you can never settle for the thing where you think you know anything because <laughs> you I mean, you really kind of don't you know just when you think everything's a lie something that you thought was a lie becomes true in your eyes and you're like well all right my my whole yeah. paradigm is just destroyed right now with this well, you know kind of like the whole flat earth arguments kind of one of those uh paradigm destroying kind of concepts you know um yeah. that leads leads to a lot of other conversations though for sure well uh first of all i i just want to let you know that I my schedule is just wide open tonight, so we we can go as long as or short as you need to. I mean, I, I'm down to just have a conversation and just be chill. You know, I mean, for I sure, yeah. I don't try to format it like like a real radio like segment where well, all right, we got 25 minutes and then you can we'll have a break here. Well, that's cool, man. I did that for a while and, and it just wasn't it wasn't fun. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, it seems like when you listen to even if it's a podcast and they're they're segmented up like that, you know, like say they're 
they're doing um, like revolution radio or something, you know what I mean? And they've got their slot that they're filling. Yeah. You can always kind of hear that in their voice that there's, you know, either a, like maybe they don't have the content they need to fill it, you know, and they get a little bit nervous about it and have nothing to talk about. So you're like, Oh, they're sitting in a studio doing this <laughs> the old school way. You know what I mean? They're sitting yeah. down buying the time, you know, or however it works and, you know, allotting themselves, that where it was like for me, you know, personally, I have the luxury of just being in my living room, <laughs> you know what I mean? Hopping right. on and, um, you know, being able to really kind of control the flow of things is kind of nice too. Um, so the long format, you know, of, of uh, podcasts that uh, myself and a lot of other folks out there are doing, you know, a couple hours or so average um, is kind of better suited to like an entire conversation as opposed to like, you know, like when you and I were growing up watching Discovery Channel, you had 30 minutes of information, <laughs> yeah. you know, little digestible chunks. You never really got to the bottom of anything. Nothing was ever really discovered, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. or figured out. It just kind of always left you like on this endless cliffhanger, you yeah. know, and um, questions I, lead to more questions. <laughs> right. And that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Right. Um, like the nature of this process that we're all kind of going through. Um Oh, but first and foremost, let me introduce myself. I'm Randy from Red Thread Podcast, and uh, I'm finally able to get nice with to Mike you. and Jay over here for <laughs> sure. Dude. I'm the worst at like leading into uh, things the wrong way or haphazardly is is the best way yeah. to put it. Just kind of like, so, hey, you know, how's it going? Oh, yeah. yeah and that's about, about like, that's the gist of my intro. I got to work on that maybe a little. Um, but, you know, there's there's changes afoot. Uh in kind of all aspects of life right now. So it's all up in the air when it comes to anything that I have done, you know, previous yeah. to this point and the things I'm going to do after might be very different animals. You know, I'm getting more comfortable in my own skin. So might have different characters that I like to do kind yeah. of coming out. And as long as people don't take it as racist, because you know how people are, you put on an accent and suddenly you're racist. <laughs> it's like, well, well I don't think that do any of my listeners white. would... <laughs> right white and put on an accent ding ding you know like yeah. yeah so um luckily my demographic is you know predominantly predominantly uh the age group that doesn't think everything's racist like the younger kids do oh yeah it's crazy. i mean man it's wild <laughs> but yeah so it's good to meet you man to finally yeah, get with you um it's been some time coming here but uh yeah, I'm glad I can uh, make if, it. If on. you don't mind, uh, I like to do my intro and then I'll introduce you, and then you we can just come on and just start conversing. Yeah, that's for good. sure. All right, a absolutely. All right, so I'll, I'll let you, I'll cue you in when when it's your time to come in. Sounds then, good, dude. Because I want you to hear the intro. That way, you can like if you hear something that you want to like, uh, you know, chime in on. You can. Sounds mm -hmm. good. After after I introduce you. <laughs> <laughs> no worries no worries go for it buddy <laughs> 